You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. I'm Allison Kane, and welcome to In the Sauce, a podcast about building consumer brands from the ground up. I love doing this show because I get to interview everyone from production gurus to marketing and social media mavens, anyone who can guide me on this crazy journey. This is the story of building Haven's Kitchen sauces, but it's also the story of every growing brand because we're all in the sauce. Today, I'm speaking with Jessica Young, founder and CEO of Bubble, an e-commerce marketplace for natural food and beverage brands. Known as the Etsy of health food, Bubble hosts over 700 independent brands and is working to change the food distribution landscape for independent brands and consumers by leveraging its lean, digitally native marketplace. Hi, Jess. Welcome. Hey, good to be here. (laughs) So we have a lot to talk about today. I feel like this is actually really interesting because I had a online retailer as a guest last week. And I think this is going to be interesting sort of juxtaposition with that because I want to just from the, you know, beginning just sort of set set up the difference between a retailer and a marketplace because I think it's worth discussing. So you you aren't actually buying product and building inventory. You are just a place where, not just, but a place where consumers can go to find their favorite things. And you've just done a really good job of curating things that they might like. And then they buy directly from those brands. Is that essentially right? Totally. Yeah. So a marketplace, you can think of us you know, kind of as you, um, you know, led into this as an Etsy, a real, real, a stock X, um, an Amazon fulfilled by merchant program. Uh, we don't hold inventory. It really does allow us to focus on the platform sales, driving customers into that product, not necessarily sitting on a ton of inventory that we don't know if it will or will not move. Um, And it also allows us to move really quickly with getting brands up selling as quick as possible. There's not a lot of red tape or hoops to jump through with distributors, buying Mm -hmm. seasons, you know, category, you know, buyers, reviews, right? Like tons of red tape to, you know, get into typical retailers. So we've removed all of that so that, um, you know, all of these innovative brands of today can get up and selling um, as quickly as possible. Yeah. I mean, it sounds, you know, it's like a win, 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 win in a lot of ways. Um, I mean, and, and backing up a little bit. So you were, the first employee at Daily Harvest, is that right? <laughs> I was, yes. <laughs> Before there was probably a Daily Harvest. Um, exactly, yeah. But it was not yeah. the uh, amazingly, you know, put together, well-branded company that you see today. Yeah, I was in, you know, very ground level with Rachel. Um, cut my teeth on all things D to C and rocket ship growth. Um, kind of was always chasing to get the next thing set up, which is a really exciting journey to be a part of. Um, really, really proud of being um, a part of, you know, bringing Daily Harvest to market. Yeah. And I mean, so were you just basically seeing 
all of these innovative food brands, all of these better for you, better packaged, really great little brands popping up um, who, like you said, were having you know, a hard time or weren't even really entirely focused or didn't have the capability to necessarily build out, you know, retail distribution with UNFI, et cetera. Um, but also maybe didn't necessarily know how to build out like a massive e-com business themselves. And you figured, okay, there's a problem and then there's a second problem and I can solve both. Yeah, exactly. Um, I actually hail from, I moved to New York when I was 20 and went to culinary school, did the back of house thing for a while in fine dining. And then I crossed over into startups. I really, food startups, primarily e-commerce, the wave of Fresh Direct, Blue Apron, um, seeing that people buying food, it was like really changing behavior. I wanted to be a part of that. Um, I was at a couple of meal kit companies that went up and under pretty quickly until I met Rachel, who was starting Daily Harvest at the time and jumped mm-hmm. on board with the mission. And through that journey and then just seeing tons of what is now, you know, an entire category better for you, the the wellness industry that was all happening over the, you know, the past, I would say seven years, really, really yeah. strongly. Um, and seeing the, you know, 25% year over year growth that our category now sees. And so, and that's what consumers today want. So I wanted to be a part of that, um, was able to do that. And then kind of simultaneously was, um, you know, over the course of growth at Daily Harvest, seeing tons of innovation in the space, consumers being very, very sticky in that space. And Mm -hmm. when I didn't see the kind of like bridge being built between tons of innovation on the brand side and what consumers were doing with us at like Daily Harvest. I was considering kind of like doing my own brand as well at that time. Um, And instead of kind of doing my own brand, jump ship from Daily Harvest to address the bigger problem, which was the platform to merge these customers um, to all of these brands. Um, if I even did my own brand, I was like, okay, CAC to LTV is upside down. It's more expensive than ever to acquire customers mm-hmm. um, on your own. Everyone's kind of in this space, you know, building their own brand. You are at Haven's Kitchen. People at Daily Harvest are building yeah. their, their community. Um, you know, Jing out over at Fly by Jing. And, they're, you know, we're all going after that same customer. But yeah. that customer doesn't necessarily want to shop on everyone's different website, parse through Amazon you know, that product may or may not be at a, at a Thrive Market. We actually only have a 20% overlap in terms of product inventory to Thrive Market. Right. So all these brands really are kind of on their own that you would expect to see on Bubble. Um, 80% have a Shopify store and are most mostly at a local level, uh, local regional level, not accessible really on any one platform. So that's really where, where we've come in. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, Awesome. And, you know, I feel like for consumers, it's great to have you do, you know, that curating and vetting, you know, for brands, it's fantastic because like you said, I mean, it's one thing to pay to try to figure out how to get, you know, into the broker distributor network and then deal with like slotting and all of that. It's another to try to build a really strong backend, you know, e-com site. That's not inexpensive either. And then now, especially with how expensive it is to, you know, market online, having a place that you're kind of doing it for them um, seems kind of amazing for brands, I would think. 
Yeah. Our goal in the next couple of years is really when you're launching your brand to think of bubble before you will a Shopify launch. So how do I get to market as quickly as possible, join bubble, get a lot of data insights, align my brand next to all these other amazing brands that are shipping across the country and then consider, you know, your brick and mortar retail partners. And then maybe when I'm a large enough brand, start a Shopify store, but why start that before you have an audience and a community online? Um, you know, that's, that we feel is, is pretty broken and upside down. So, yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense now. So big, you know, big gazillion dollar question is (laughs) (laughs) so for us, right. Refrigerated, we're not going to be making money, shipping things directly to anybody. Um, it might not be for fresh, Is there, I mean, do you have a thought around that? I'm sure that we're not the only one, you know, we're, I've sort of come to the conclusion that for me, distribution into homes across America is going to be on trucks and trains and through um, these antiquated, very anachronistic, challenging system of grocery distribution. Um, But I would think that it would make much more sense for shelf stable ambient, you know, you can ship it. It doesn't require two day, all of that. Um, what say you? Yeah, I would say, so bubble today, um, you know, we work with hundreds of <clears throat> shelf stable, primarily brands. We're actively beta testing perishable brands, but I would say, uh, as of now and into next year, it's a huge effort for us to lean heavier, uh, in, into perishable Right. That said, we're going after very specific categories and product types for that mix. Given that we're still 100% dropship model, we don't right. take on inventory. For your product specifically, um, you know, you're a, I would call it like a supplemental perishable product. So it's like it's supposed to, you know, you have sauces; they're perishable. They go alongside of a so something more like centerpiece, right? right? Mm-hmm. So salmon, mm-hmm. yeah, like a salmon with your chimichurri, you know, things like that. So I would say. For that, you know, as you pinpointed, you need a certain amount of coolant insulation. There's a there's a minimum to that, and how much can people kind of eat that many sauces in one sitting, much less repeat purchase. Right. So for yours specifically, I think it would be a great add on as bubble builds out perishable, but really coming into play once we, at, you know, a certain scale, plan to inventory right. and ship out consolidated shipments on our side. So, um, you know, and. Two, I, mean, I guess I'm curious. We can have a little business talk. Are you doing yeah. any? Are you doing any other products outside of sauces anytime soon? Right. So, I mean, we are launching a few new products um, in 2023 and 2024 that are likely not going to be perishable. Um, so, you'll be my first call. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) but I mean, it's not your fault that you know. I mean, it's not. It's 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 the model. It's like none of us. We don't because it's tends to be more expensive to make a perishable item anyway because of the quality of ingredients and the process, and then you add on the cost of shipping and you know everything associated with that. It's not bubbles' responsibility to make the numbers work for refrigerated brands to ship. Like, no, I just haven't met one that really does work, you know? Yeah, I I would say, yeah, it's very category specific, like direct consumer historically, right? Like, you know, Amazon today is still struggling with beauty as a sector. And you think like, oh, Amazon has it figured out. No, people still go to Sephora and Ulta over Amazon. So for Bubble, yes, we're in food. 
primarily, and that's how we started um, shelf stable. We're getting into perishable, but we're we're actually gunning after things like um, boxes of produce from different CSA farms across the country. Mm-hmm. We're offering that as a subscription, you know, the vegetables and stuff. And then I would love to tack on, you know, a shipment of sauces, right? Like right. cross pr- promo that product. Um, you know, that said, yeah, hundred percent slack shipping your product. So like freezing it in batches and then sending mm-hmm. it, you know, to slowly defrost so you can avoid coolant, really heavy gel packs. Yeah. <laughs> totally, totally recommended uh, for the category. So I think, you know, depending on the bottle plus product, there's always a lot to say in that department for sure. But I think for a lot of people listening, I mean, they don't have the headache that I have. And this just makes a lot of sense. You know, especially because I feel like there are a ton of digitally native brands that are now trying to figure out how to do retail. But like you said at the beginning, you know, you might be ready to do retail, but a lot of these grocers, A, they're just strapped for labor. So they're not doing resets the way that they used to. Their management teams are all over the place. So they're having a hard time even making time for reviews to do resets. Um, They've just come out of like a global pandemic where they were essentially, you know, healthcare workers. I mean, you know, for the last two years. And so it's very hard for them to switch gears from being, you know, trying to get toilet paper and hand sanitizer on the shelf and making sure that people have like eggs to looking for innovation. And I think a lot of younger brands are like ready to go. And just now because of iOS, et cetera, they're ready to, to launch into retail, but the retailers are moving slower than ever. So it was hard in 2019. I think it's harder now, but what's great about you, like you said, is that, you know, if the price is right on the drop ship, you're, you're bringing people to bubble who are looking for products like this and they, I mean, I'm assuming after this episode, you will get a lot of phone calls. I, would I mean, great. Yeah. We'll have to, <laughs> yeah. You shake our hand. We'll shake your hand. I mean, maybe we'll have to like advertise or something. I mean, yeah, bring it well, on. No, but I mean, a huge yeah. effort that we pushed out this year was um, self-serve platform. So my long-term colleague actually from Daily Harvest, who was also a founding member, served as CTO there, came on board as CTO here at Bubble. Um, replatformed us. And that was really responsible for that huge brand growth. Um, we over doubled in, um, you know, the amount of brands that listed with us right. this year. And we saw a huge influx over the pandemic. Like you said, yeah. major retailers were not interested in discovery. They were interested mm-hmm. in stocking up with the current stuff they already had, the Oreos yeah. and, and toilet paper to serve, you know, pandemic needs. Yeah. And we're not taking meetings with like the latest brand. They could mm-hmm. care less. And so we had a huge influx into our wait list as a baby platform, kind of just proving out what we were doing. Um, and so like AOV for customers on the marketplace doubled, we doubled brand growth. Like we just had kind of like a lot going on on yeah. that side. And now we're really able to support into this year, bringing on perishable so we can support full grocery. It's really paramount that we do that for the, the whole marketplace. You right. know, like you said, bringing on vegetables so we can sell more, you know, Haven's kitchen sauces, for example. So <laughs> it's very, the grocery is very complimentary. So it's important we have, have it all. Um, but that we, we remove those barriers to onboarding. So any brand listening, you can now go to sell.bubblegoods.com and onboard it's self-serve. We have a Shopify integration now live 
and then really, really, you know, fair margins. So as yeah. you said, like, there's no retailer to distribute our relationship at all. We're a marketplace for a reason. Um, so that it's way more brand friendly. So I would say like similar to if you were a pizza brand selling on the slice app, you know, that's very much where we fit in as well as a marketplace. So, um, for brands that use our shipping labels and dashboard to fulfill orders, it's a 25, sorry, 35% commission. And then if you're on the Shopify app commission is 25%. So very, very, um, you know, friendly there, um, to achieve sale. Sorry to interrupt you, but two, two questions as follow-up. One is if people are putting themselves on, are, are there, you're still curating to some extent, or I'm imagining that there is a vetting process, but it just goes a little quicker when it's, when it's more automated. Is that what? Yeah, totally. I, I, de- I definitely literally live in my own bubble where I assume everyone just already knows about us. But yeah, we have, <laughs> we have really They do. Experience. They totally do, Jess. Everyone knows about you. Hello. If you're, if you're not on bubble now, like you're... You know, you know what's so funny though? I go back and forth. I'm sure you have this too as a founder. Like sometimes I'm like, everyone knows about us. This is amazing. And then other times I'm like, no one knows about us. This is amazing because we have so much more room and like, no one's even heard of us. And of course I have no idea. You know, we have no idea. My guess is that not everyone knows about either one of us, but there's room. Um, There's room. Yeah. Yeah. I always kind of skip over, um, probably one of the most important pieces of our business. Um, but yeah, we have really strict set of standards. We call it our bubble approval process. So everything that hits the marketplace, um, you know, has to be clean label to our standards. So different than I would say a whole foods or a thrive market relationship. Uh, we don't allow products that contain refined cane sugars, um, dyes, gums, preservatives, even if they're organic. So it's really about quality whole foods and a direct shipping model. That's right. why we're doing what we're doing. Yes, it's brand friendly, all those nice things, but it's really about um, you know putting people and consumers in as direct contact as possible with who's making it, and that supply yep. chain being super direct. So it's really yeah. about a quality food system, less like kind of like health, you know, health necessarily. You can really pick your own journey once you're you're shopping on Bubble. It's really about quality foods. Um, so strict standards there. Um, we also get all food safety certifications on file. So yes, we get called the Etsy of health food all the time, but different than an Etsy, uh, you know, we do require, um, you know, food safe, food handling, I know, and, and proper manufacturing process. So right. that's all on file. It's Etsy um, plus. It's Etsy plus. <laughs> so yeah, it's super easy to make an account, but you do need to be very much above board, not, not as homegrown, I would say, as a Etsy seller. Um, And then we also um, taste test everything. So we really believe that like in doing all this work on our end, but also for every brand that's on Bubble, we all want each other to be the best reflection of the other products that are listed. So we do curate curate that. So um, everything's also taste tested, which is a really fun part of our job Mm -hmm. (laughs) at the office. um, That's available. Just FYI. Yeah. We go in on every Wednesday <laughs> and go through new products um, at our sample center in Jersey. So that's yeah. so fun. Can I yeah. just come for the day? I like it's so funny because I interviewed uh, who Courtney, who now works at Haven's Kitchen, but I interviewed my buyers from Fresh Direct in 2018 on the podcast. And we listened back to the, and I all I just kept doing was like, tell me about the sample closet. Tell me about when, like, how many samples do you get? When do you get samples? When do you get to eat the samples? And they're like, wow, you are really 
you're really focused on the samples because we joke about it now that I didn't ask like, how can I get my product down to, you know, all I cared about was like, when, when's the eating? Because that sounds like a really fun part of the job. Yeah. No, it's super yeah. every, every Wednesday. And now that we have, we, we definitely, I don't know what it is. If it's like a bunch of like beverage companies pass bubble around to each other or, you know, mm-hmm. kale, kale chip companies, we get products in waves, which is super right. interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, it's fun to now be doing Perishable because um, we're testing with the Akua Kelp Burger and Coconut Cult and Coconut yeah, Cult sure. recently went super viral on like TikTok and stuff. And we're yeah. one of their, their partners online. It's pretty much their site, us and Erewhon, it, which right. is like local out in LA. So we've seen a ton of growth on their account and they only launched like last month and then went viral. So it's been a super interesting relationship there with them to navigate. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's it's fun now to get all these like perishable products in. No, it's very um, cool. Ari's yeah. actually coming on the podcast in a couple of weeks. So I'll be oh, sure perfect. to ask him about his virality. Yeah. Um, okay, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and talk about your thoughts on brands in general. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new series on Heritage Radio Network called The Culinary Call Sheet, where we give a peek into the back kitchen of culinary media. I'm your host, April Jones. And I'm your co-host, Darren Bresnitz. Part of why we started this show was to offer an unofficial mentorship for anyone who is interested in learning about all aspects of food and video, whether that's TV, social media, online, or just something you want to do for fun. Absolutely. What was once niche or a little silly, as I'm sure you remember, Darren, when we started out. Yes, ma'am. Has now become such a massive playing field for so many creatives using food as the medium. It's something that has driven us professionally and personally for so many years. What excites me the most about this show is that we're going to sit down with some of the industry leaders to hear how they made it and what drew them into this industry. With 20 years in the culinary production game ourselves, we're hoping we can give, through these conversations, an insider's view into personal stories from the field, as well as an in-depth behind-the-scenes look into some of the most popular food programming in today's evolving culinary media landscape. We'll be covering everything from how to style your food, to how to license IP, to developing your own ideas, and some tips from the masters of how to host your own show. Yeah, it's a little bit of conversation, 
how to and how do you do the things that you do in culinary media, which I'm so excited about. I love so many of the guests that are coming on this season. We have talent from Food Network, from Vice Media, Eater, Refinery29. We've met some of the best people in the world, both in front of and behind the camera. And we're bringing them all together to share their stories, their delicious adventure, and their unique journey into this crazy world. So to be the first to hear our episodes when they launch this fall, go to wherever podcasts are streaming and hit subscribe and make sure to give us a follow at the Culinary Call Sheet on Instagram. I'm back with Jessica Young from Bubble. Um, Okay, so now I want to back out a little bit or zoom out, I guess, because I feel like you see, I love talking to people who aren't, you know, heads down in a brand, but have a really good sort of 30,000 foot view of the brand landscape. And I just want to hear some thoughts, things that you've been thinking about lately, you know, with regard to, you know, post pandemic shopping behavior, the economy, innovation, brands that are, and you don't have to name names, like brands that are doing smart things and what those smart things are and brands that maybe, again, you don't have to name names, but like, what, what do you see the tailwinds? What do you see the headwinds? Like, what are your thoughts about the, just the whole grocery landscape right now? Yeah, we're in a really interesting time because we just went from global pandemic to maybe impending recession. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's been a, a lot of like, are we on lockdown? Do we go? Like, I, I think a lot of start stop in mm-hmm. I'll say the macro and micro economy, right? If you're macro, like you're making decisions that ultimately affect the micro landscape. So, you know, everything from slow down supply chains and then people having like, you know, long tail PO and and commitments sitting on their books to just get their inventory in and kind of turn that around and Mm -hmm. planning for that, you know? So Mm -hmm. I think um, where we're at now in terms of the grocery landscape, I mean, I'm fundraising for bubble right now. So it's interesting Mm -hmm. that I'm talking about this a lot in all my meetings, just kind of like what does grocery in a downturn look like? And also by category and and condiments do very well in in downturns, just FYI. Yeah. I mean, all grocery (laughs) does to a degree, which is good. Um, Yeah. Especially online grocery. Um, The entire online grocery category saw five years of growth. The first two months of the pandemic was hitting. So tons of adoption, tons of downloads for like the Instacarts of the world. Like I said, at Bubble, we had a ton of brands migrating to us and built a lot for that side of our equation. But, you know, I think, you know, the, I use the analogy to like the lipstick index all the time, which the beauty Mm -hmm. industry sees, which is, you know, when you see a lot of lipstick usage, you know, the economy is not necessarily doing too well, but like people are buying, they are going after the affordable luxuries. They're going after things that maybe they're not booking a trip to like tour Italy for the next two Mm -hmm. months over the holiday season coming up, but they are buying things that are going to make them feel good in this moment to get through this like uneasy, uncertain time. And so Category wise, I think you should, if you're launching a new brand, you should be thinking about the time that we're in, in in terms of launching. Is there anything I can do with like even my flavor profiles to lean into some of like that comfort play right now? Mm -hmm. Um, All the way to like, let's say I'm a growth stage business. How am I going to plan growth in this next phase? Um, What retailers am I going to be aligning with or selling in? Is there anything I should be like cutting back on? 
um, that's right. like not a priority and leaning in somewhere else. I will say too, there's a ton of opportunity, especially in grocery during these uncertain times. So figure out what those are and kind of like play your hand to that bigger picture. Yeah. And then I have a question about that, because I feel like, um, I think it was Amrit uh, Richmond, who I interviewed a few years ago, but who's, you know, definitely just like a thoughtful person in the industry. And she said something to me years ago about, you know, sauces and condiments are like lip glosses, which just made me think totally different from lipstick index, but how people don't have just one they layer them or some days they feel like this one and some days they feel like that one. And it's not a winner take all category, um, which makes me very happy because I think we're naturally collaborative and I, you know, I, I don't want to be in a winner take all situation. Unlike, I think there are some categories where, you know, there's only three strategics that could even buy the thing at the end of the day. And so who's going to win like coconut water. Right. Um, so speaking of that, I do think on the flip side, there have been a lot of, a lot of brands making the same type of thing. And I will give a bar as an example. Totally. And I love bars and I have friends that make bars and of course the world needs more bars, but a lot of bars are kind of similar, um, in what they are, but the brand might be different and the vibe might be different. It does seem like there might be some consolidation. Some of that might not make it to the next level. Like, are you seeing, do you share that perspective? And I, I want to be careful here because, you know, I want everyone's brand to make it because I love all my brand friends, but do you feel like um, you're seeing some brands just not have enough, whatever it is to go to that next stage. And that this is, this is kind of a time of reckoning for some of them. Totally. I think it can be a time of reckoning or a time of you better pivot quickly and mm -hmm. not feed yourself too many false truths in this moment, or you won't survive for sure. Um, right. you know, I've been in food and CPG, my entire career dedicated my life to bettering our food system. I was early Hugh kitchen, you know, mm -hmm. for a number of brands, daily harvest. Um, we have a, we have one product on our in-house label called Hella, which is a paleo clean label Nutella that we sell. Um, but yeah, I mean, I have a ton of viewpoints. I mean, I think that's, what's hard about me being in the industry, being so passionate about it, but then also having a marketplace where I'm like, I just want everyone to perform. I want, yeah everyone to just sell and be like a million dollar seller tomorrow. That would be great. But, you know, and it, it's hard to see someone like not totally hit the nail on the head. And it's like, yeah, for sure. I see a ton of like generically branded products or tasting products where I'm like, oh, like another bland bar to use that mm -hmm. analogy. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we have an entire section of balls and bars on mm -hmm. bubble. <laughs> and we see so many of them. I'm like, oh my gosh, another flaxseed ball. Like, how is this going to stand out? So I right. think in today's market, again, leaning into like, where are we as a society? What do people want? They want a level of comfort to a degree, like for sure in like the past few years, I think even into this next year. Um, but also like, what are you doing with the company? Like knowing what your growth plan is mm -hmm. as well kind of leans into that. So like, you know, just to use like, again, just 
going off of, you know, coconut cult, for example, they have one product, but they do partnerships super well. They speak to the customer. They're collabing with other brands. I see that do really well. And we love that. We've hosted some exclusive to bubble collabs and we've partnered brands on bubble with each other to be Mm -hmm. like, oh, Mm -hmm. because we see this going on, we know that collabs do really well. Let's match you know, this bar and ball up with like this spice or this sauce and do a class. Right. Like it would just sell really well. And also these, like these founders just know each other. Um, yeah. So I think anything that drives community can help you sell. Like if this weren't your company and sometimes it's like hard to separate yourself from your own company because it's like a child yes, to a degree. That's and, mm-hmm. and you're looking in that same mirror every morning to like also see progress or like what, what, what could be fixed here. But if you could kind of separate yourself to a degree, how would you be selling if this weren't your company, like the generic right. health food bar, like flax right. food bar, right? Like what is even special about that? Yeah. Um, you know what you like as a consumer and what draws your attention. Like why does Lady Gaga's makeup, mm-hmm. why did it not do well in like the biggest, like on Amazon, the biggest pl- marketplace platform? How does Lady Gaga on Amazon and beauty like not do well? Mm. Um, so you really have to kind of look at why I just a completely random like yeah. question here, but why do you think it didn't? Like, what are your thoughts on that? I didn't even know this, but like, because we were talking today, I'll give you the context. Like today, you know, there's a I think there's a lot of sentiment right now that unless you are either a influencer or you know content maker or celebrity or you very quickly align yourself with them as a brand early on, it's very, very hard to get engagement and eyeballs and interest. And we pride ourselves on not being a celebrity cooking sauce, but like a home cook product. And yes, of course, celebrities and influencers can, you know, if they use this in their kitchen, of course, that brings some engagement. But I get asked a lot, like, why don't you put, you know, celebrity chefs, da, 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 da. And I'm like, cause it's not about chefs, right? It's about home cooks. There's something democratic to me about it, whether or not that's like the right way to frame it. But we were having this conversation and there does seem, you know, I've been seeing a lot more on LinkedIn. Like if you don't have, you know, little content creators, or if you're not already a founder, or if you're not a content creator yourself, it's going to be harder and harder. And yet here you have literally one of the biggest celebrities in the world on the biggest platform in the world. I would imagine there was a lot of investment behind this and something didn't click. So what do you think didn't click? Yeah. I mean, I have a lot to say about this. I mean, I've been at enough I've had enough experience, I think, with celebrity investment, both at Bubble prior uh, companies. And we've seen it actually not work a lot. And then, you know, on the flip side, we've seen it work. And I think the most natural or most creative partnerships take the cake. It's honestly too easy to go to UTA and CAA talent agency, rock up with great products, brands, connections, and find a celebrity. Like actually that's pretty easy to do in today's Mm -hmm. atmosphere. Mm -hmm. There are VC Mm -hmm. firms entirely built on thesis of celebrity plus CPG brand equals, you know, me cutting a $5 million check. I don't necessarily agree with all of that. Um, But at the same time, like I think in food specifically, it's paramount that the product is good first and foremost. I think there are too many products. Like I think today's VC backed celebrity thing is like yesterday's Mm -hmm. SPAC. 
Back, which is yesterday's like celeb beauty cream on QVC. Like honestly, it was a phase. I think there's another wave of it now and it doesn't really resonate. So like for your product, I think what's so good is that it is for the home cook. So I think what Liquid Death just did with Martha Stewart was so creative. Mm -hmm. So like going outside of the box works and it aligns with that same consumer base. But what is going to get that consumer talking? It's the Martha Liquid Death. It's not Lady Gaga, Amazon, like for example, like they were, they, Amazon's been trying so hard in, in beauty and they just still can't do it. And now she's, ta- I think, she, I think she's taken it to Ulta to grow, grow the, grow the brand. And so I think it has to be super authentic. I think it's almost like for you, you know, watching like love is blind and they're in mm-hmm. the, and, and they're, they, they go, you know, they do oh their, <laughs> they do I their, literally- like, I keep screenshots of their apartment when they're like talking about, well, he said blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, someone's got to get a sauce on that counter right now. Yeah. Like that would be an ace partnership move because like they have the whole time where they have to get to know each other. They have to cook. And it's like, they're all using the sauces in their little cooking time. getting to know. If anyone from Love is Blind is listening, (laughs) I have some sauce for you. They're all keto, vegan, gluten-free, non-GMO verified. And I feel like people will fall in love with each other more easily if they're well fed and eating sauce and happy so so okay thank you that's my new plug um no I actually it's so funny because I watch I I don't watch a ton of reality tv but I do watch some and whenever there's a kitchen I take a screenshot for my team and I'm like next year (laughs) like we're going to be on that counter, you know, like, or someone opens the fridge and I'm like, and I, you know, and now we have a graphic designer who's basically like Photoshopping in little sauce things into it. You know, we don't post them because we don't do that, but. Oh, I've got you. I've got you in that department. Let's just say I know some people, we got Helen Silicon Valley's like last season in the pantry, in the office. Oh my gosh. It was like goals before. Yeah. So. I mean, totally. That's amazing. We'll make it happen. But yeah, I think those are the things that um, make sense today. Super smart partnerships. And the other thing too, is there's so much content. There are a million channels, like, you know, whether you're a CPG brand selling, you can't just typically make it on one. Like, yes, a Whole Foods contract is great, but Mm -hmm. like it's so localized now and split up. And now Amazon owns Whole Foods. It's really, really fragmented. So like, I think whether you're marketing or you're like looking at your sales, diversify, you do kind of have to be everywhere to a degree. Um, But yeah, yeah, it's an interesting landscape today. Well, this goes goes back to bubble and content because, you know, for, you know, first of all, I'm sure it depends on the category, but let's say you have eight bars or balls on bubble. You're out there presumably doing some of the heavy lifting on marketing for these brands, right? And one of my questions is how did, did, are there, you know, like with every other retailer, you can be on the homepage or you can be like, ooh, you might like this or all of those things are marketing opportunities for brands. Is it the same for you? Because Etsy doesn't have anything like that. As far as I know, like in a true marketplace, I don't know. I mean, I guess you would know better than me, but well, I guess on like Farfetch, they say you might also like based on your cart or based on what you've been looking at, but are those marketing opportunities for brands to do on bubble? Yeah, so that's something we're building out in this next year. Um, we're switching gears. We replatformed our backend, amazing dashboard for brands to list, sell, sync inventory, 
access, you know, sales performance, all that fun stuff. And then we're in the middle of redoing our front end and we're really gearing towards a logged in experience. So like if you go to the real real and sign in, you have to be logged in your Amazon you, it keeps you logged in for a reason. So it can better serve you things, things you're going to like. So we are um, gearing Bubble to that in this next year. So um, right. Bubble's undergoing a facelift. You won't see that if you go to the site today, but <laughs> she is she is getting a, a makeover. Um, On the back end. <laughs> very, very, yeah, a very, very functional makeover. Right. Um, so that we can really, you know, this next year, we have like huge growth goals on the consumer side uh, planned to drive like really meaningful sales to brands. And so yeah. to do that, yeah, we have a lot of learnings we're, we're incorporating. So um, I would say for that, uh, it, it's phase two. So this next year, we're driving traffic. Um, all those learnings, brands cannot sponsor any type of listing as it is today. Mm-hmm. We really want brands to see sales. So like launch, sell, start to grow with us. In once traffic is at a certain threshold, which we kind of have internally marked, we're going to turn that piece on. So when there's an X amount of search volume going through that top banner search bar, certain search volume PDPs, because also it, it won't make sense. We're not a, in the game of like charging brands, just to charge mm-hmm. brands. Mm-hmm. There has to be traffic there at right. an meaningful consumer base for you to like see that, right? Like our brand retention is 99% because brands list with us. They see sales go up. They're growing as, as the platform grows and we really take that relationship seriously. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll be doing that. Um, we have it marked earmarked for end of this upcoming year into like the beginning of 2024, actually, if we kick it in high gear sooner, we will totally turn that on sooner than later, but it's really in everyone's best interest to like get on, sell the best that you can within our category. Um, and then we'll turn on some of those like sponsored listings. Um, once you get, you know, a certain level of reviews and sales under your belt as a brand on bubble. But, and then how do you, I mean, this is maybe a dumb question, but then how do you, as Jess or as Bubble, and when when you're doing marketing for Bubble, pick who gets in the photo shoot. I mean, I know it's dumb, but like, how do you? How are you making those decisions? Is it is it just like there are people and they're choosing their favorites? Like, is it the ones that are just winning each category? And it, I mean, I know that's a little inside baseball, but you know, if you can, if it's if it's if you have a lot of brands on there. How are you choosing the ones to use in your marketing, I guess, is my question. Yeah, we're nearing a thousand brands across the country and we have thousands of products under that. So, yeah, it's really based on like the campaign. So like as a brand, when you log in um, to your bubble brand dashboard, you'll see the upcoming campaigns and sales that we have going on. Um, Good likelihood you'll be featured in that if you're participating in those efforts like right now. Through the month of October, we've had Sober October going on. So we're featuring all of the non-ALK brands on Bubble. Mm, mm-hmm. And we're, we're totally upfront with like what's going on as we like add campaigns or collections. Um, we're constantly featuring new brands. So like anytime you're launching on Bubble, you get a really great feature. Um, and we have like a whole launch guide. So it's, we're pretty transparent with like what's going on and how you can get featured we're always down to like lab. We're doing a lot with TikTok right now. So um, we're featuring, you know, things that are coming in with like unboxings because that does really well. Mm-hmm. Um, we just launched Bubble Rewards. So customers who shop or refer friends to Bubble, we have a big get 10, give 10, get 10 program going on to mm-hmm. grow that. 
Um, and then we're going to actually be incentivizing customers to earn more rewards points with new products or if they try certain products, which, if, you know, start, as, at some point, I'm sure will be paid placement if you really want to push a product. Right. But right now, very, very organic. Um, but yeah, we're, we're always down to collab with brands. Um, we have our own stuff going on that we know works like Sober October, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, January, we have a big health is well sale. Um, we do a vegan sale twice a year with 50% off vegan products. And then we do in terms of like discounted sales. And then we do a lot of like campaigns around things that we see trending, i.e. sober October with, you know, non-alc and things no, like it's that. Very, it's very, very cool. I really, I love the whole thing and I love the business. And one thing I love about it for brands also is that transparency because they're, as you know, it's very hard to know who your consumer is, how often they're buying you, what are your actual numbers, right? You know, Whole Foods does have a portal and you can see velocity, but you don't get anything more granular than that. You certainly don't know what else they're buying, et cetera. But the more that, you know, a marketplace can can make itself also a data source for brands, the better we're able to work with that you know, marketplace or retailer. And it's just something that traditionally has been so opaque. Um, You know, so being able to see what campaigns are coming up and try to be a part of them and and the more information, you know, that you can give them, you know, the better, I think, for everyone. And it tailors things to the, I would imagine consumers have some surprising behavior where there are synergies in between categories that, neither the brand nor you might even predict ahead of time. And those are kind of fun things that pop up, I would imagine, you know? Totally. Yeah. We see some of the weirdest things where like, oh, this this thing's never going to sell. It's a great product. That's the other thing that's kind of disheartening. It's like, oh man, this is so good. We don't think it's going to sell. Like the packaging's horrible. Like who's even going to buy this? And then all of a sudden, two months later, this product that we Mm -hmm. love because it got through and everything on bubble we hold near and dear, it starts blowing up. We're like, what? where did this come from? What's going on? And we love those surprises, but yeah. um, you know, we'll find that some influencer on TikTok mentioned it mm-hmm. in a video mm-hmm. and we're the only person selling it. <laughs> right, and we come up right. on SEO. So it's like, and then not only are they buying that product, they're now buying all these other things that show up with that specific mm-hmm. product, um, which wasn't cool. selling. So it, it's, it's really awesome um, yeah. to see the network effect. Yeah. There is no one else doing exactly what we're doing online, which right. we love. So we, yeah. we, we hope it's going to stay that way for a while. <laughs> and a lot of it just feels like really, you know, organic. And there's something else, you know, I interviewed, a, I guess, I don't even know what time is anymore, but like, I think several months ago, I interviewed um, the founder of Umami Cart. And one of the things that she said also was that, you know, connecting some of these older, less sort of tech, you know, family owned businesses with, you know, the consumer who, wants to explore new things and isn't necessarily going to the market that's however many miles away. It's similar to what you're saying about farmers and CSA programs, et cetera, because, you know, if people can figure out how to ship, there are a lot of consumers out there that want to try stuff. It's just, they, they can't figure out all of it at the same time. So you're taking out this like big chunk for them and connecting them to a consumer that is very, very willing to spend and buy 
and buy again if they're happy, you know, which is a big part of the struggle, I would think. Yeah, we just got our results back. We, you know, we've been t- beta testing, as I mentioned, with a couple perishable variants. Um, we have been tracking the category. We just had our uh, Q4 planning meeting last week with the team. And we're kind of looking at perishable results. How's it doing? Is it doing what we wanted it to do? And it, and it is like AOV was 86% higher when they included perishable products, um, which is, again, a huge reason. It was just confirming mm-hmm. everything that we're doing. Um, but also 92% of people buying those products are, again, to our mission and proof point, not in a major city, which is our sweet right. spot. We're yeah. definitely are connecting these brands with consumers that don't have an Erewhon in their, in their region, mm-hmm. much less a Whole Foods, right? So, yeah. um, you know, it's definitely hitting that. And yeah, that's, that's part of what we love, transparencies in our namesake bubble. You know, we, mm-hmm. we want to bring that level so that, yeah, as you mentioned, brands can kind of operate better, but consumers can find these products that we know that they like and would buy. They just don't know about them or you know, are only getting targeted by kind of one brand, not all of them. So Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's a a great kind of co-op feel to what we're building. We all win together, which is nice. Yes. No, I love that. Um, Okay. That, I guess, last question, really going back to sort of the brands, are you, would you say that there are some fundamentals of success or the successes that you're seeing beyond having a really good product and maybe having something that goes viral? Like, what would you say are sort of like, if you were going to be advising me, let's say, or an emerging brand, you know, what are you seeing across the board that is making the winners winning? Yeah, that's a great question. We love a viral moment, but I actually never advise to like gear towards a viral moment. I think that can happen as like a side effect to you doing something already really great with community, your branding. It's kind of this groundswell effect. If you hit a viral moment, which is amazing, go for it. But it is sort of just like a one trick pony to a degree Mm -hmm. and almost sometimes can be a negative aspect of your business. Um, You could be delayed on inventory Mm-hmm. Your inventory can be rushed and like compromise on the end product. You know, there's a lot of things that can mm-hmm. go into mm-hmm. that. So I actually always gear towards just like sustainable up into the right growth, mm-hmm. um, you know, first and foremost. But I think advising any brand today for just like overall growth, you know, it's really kind of around what we see success on bubble are brands that are branded really well. And we're actually seeing a ton of brands that are super cool, but the branding is actually like a little too cool. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So no, that's, actually, I mean, that's something to keep yeah. in mind. Uh, I won't name yeah. names, but we have some brands that I personally love. Uh, we have a new feature on Bubble called Grocery List, which is kind of like you can make your own Pinterest board, save your mm. different grocery lists. Those are also embedded with referral codes. Pro tip, if you share your grocery list, you can get points to shop um, now, which is great. But, um, you know, I have like a packaging favorites on one of my lists that I love because I'm just Mm -hmm. like a packaging nerd, like who's not if you're in this space to a degree. Right, exactly. Uh, But yeah, there are some things that are just like a little too obscure or like it's super cool. But you can't uh, read what the name is. Like what is this (laughs) can of seltzer water? Is this, what is this kombucha? Like you just don't know what it is. And those actually don't do as well in terms of conversion because no one's even clicking through to like your product page or like a quick ad. Um, which is a huge component of shopping on Bubble. 
And this is something we're looking to build out more with some of our, you know, education pieces whenever we have, you know, more time um, and team members to add to that, just like, mm-hmm. again, best practices. But if you're, if I would be weary of being too cool and not, mm-hmm. if you're, if you're geared towards that online purchase and you don't have a community behind you, just be weary of that um, to kind of over-optimize on the cool factor. Just be careful of that. Right. Um, and then price point, definitely something to consider. Um, how are you doing with your comp- competition? Um, yes, like that's one thing we see, especially with our small, medium-sized businesses. They're about to hit kind of growth phase. That's our sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and price isn't there. We get a lot of people commenting like, why is this expensive? Or why is it, you know, most brands on Bubble haven't hit scale. Right. And there's just for higher quality of food, a higher price tag attached. You're kind of like investing in your health in that way. And so that's something we're cognizant of. And we have some materials just to help people think about that. It's usually comes down to like education and just planning your production a little bit better. And you can generally bring down your price at least like 25% just with a few minor tweaks. And then you can kind of pass it on to customers. So, you know, be cognizant of pricing, the packaging, kind of like how it's messaged. Um, And then ultimately, like, what are you doing off of Bubble to complement or what can you do on bubble with the bubble community um, to kind of complement those sales um, you know paying attention to that I think if you're omni-channel already so like for your brand what are you doing with your whole foods customer base and community versus like your bubble customer base and community I just thinking of that because they are a bit different um, yeah to, to like engage and kind of push and like move it off the physical or digital shelf yeah yeah no super helpful you know it's so funny because it's like there's so many channels, marketing and sales, and you really do have to be everywhere. Like, I don't even like the word omnichannel because I feel like it's all like unichannel. Like, it's all just one big channel, everything, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. all of it. But, you know, we we all need to figure out. I think if we've learned one thing over the last couple of years is that the consumer wants it where they want it, when they want it, how they want it, and they discover it the way they want to. And in order for us to be successful, we need to speak that language wherever that consumer is and be there in some way ready to make the sale or explain what we are, Um, which just, you know, puts a lot of pressure on the content teams, because you can't just be on TikTok, you know, you just, you can, if you want, like, to put all your eggs in one basket, but to your point. I think too, if you're on TikTok, if you're messaging there, doing a bunch of cool stuff with your brand, does your TikTok user know where they can buy your product? Is it on your site? Is it also on Bubble? Is it also on Whole Foods? I see so many brands that list with us that don't even mention where, where they're sold. Mm-hmm. And they're typically really, really local. And I'm like, okay, well, we're doing our job by pushing people into your product, but it really does help too when you're cross-promoting where people right. can actually buy your product. So right. I think that's like the fundamentals that you never want to kind of like miss there as well. But yeah. Um, yeah, super interesting. Well, Jess, yeah, thank you so much for coming on today. I love what you're building. I think it's amazing for the consumer who wants to discover this stuff. I think it's super helpful for testing and learning for early stage brands. And, um, you know, I think it's awesome and wish you luck in your fundraise because you deserve it. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, and Armin, thank you so much for engineering today's episode, as always. And all you listeners, thank you for listening and listening and listening. We are getting close to my 200th episode. I've calculated it. If I actually do this as many times as I think I am, it should be around April. And then, I don't know, we got to do something big and celebratory. But in the meantime, I will be back next week with another episode of In the Sauce. In the Sauce is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.